The title of the podcast is How to Love a Difficult Person Without Them Controlling You. I'm going to ask you a series of questions here that will help you to get into a frame of mind of what that title means and and where I'm going with this podcast. How to love a difficult person without them controlling you. Here are the questions that I want you to think about. How do you stay true to what you believe while not offending those who aren't willing to get on board with your perspectives or your practices? So you want to stay true to what you believe. You believe certain things, and and you should. These are the right things to believe, but you have certain people within your sphere of influence. Maybe it's in a small group. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's someone in your church, someone that you work with. And so you don't want to offend them, but yet you also don't want to deviate from what you believe. Here's another question. What if you have a weaker brother or weaker sister that you can't correct? You need to speak into their life. Now, this is where you probably, maybe will offend them because what you believe is is correct and and you need to speak into their lives but you know that you possibly will offend them here's another question does the weakest link in the relationship or in the group or in the church determine how things will be this is when you get in that tight spot where you believe what you believe and what you believe is right and you want to speak into the other person's life but you know if you speak into their life They will react angrily to you, therefore you capitulate to them, therefore they, in essence, have control over you, over the group, over the relationship. And then finally, when do you take a stand for what you believe, or when do you capitulate to the other person? Welcome to the podcast. This is Rick Thomas. I'm so glad that you're here. You're listening to your daily drive. You can read this podcast if you wish. Go to our website, rickthomas.net, and look for this title. You can type any version of this into our search box, and it should come up for you. How to love a difficult person without them controlling you. This is a big thing, and every one of you have an issue with this. You struggle with this to some degree because You're in relationship with somebody, and that person is just like you. They are fallen, and because they are fallen, you're trying to stay between two ditches. There are always two ditches in these types of relationships, and your aim is to stay out of both of them. Here are the ditches. In one, you cater to the person because you don't want to offend them, or you will experience their angry reactions. And then if you go to the other side of the road, in the other ditch, in the other corner, you can bull your way through without caring for the other person. You get what you want, but you damage the relationship in the process. Now, I want to illustrate All of this in just a moment. I'll give you an illustration between my two friends, Mabel and Marge. They got themselves into a dust-up, and and Marge wants to help Mabel, but it's hard because of uh, of Mabel's uh, hypersensitivity. 
And so she's trying to navigate between these two ditches. She doesn't want to offend and doesn't want to experience the repercussions of Mabel's angry reactions, but yet she also doesn't want to capitulate or cater because otherwise uh, Mabel will be running the relationship. Now, this is something for us to think about. And as always, if you have any questions about this, these ideas, you're welcome to come to our ministry. It is what we do. You're welcome to ask your questions on our free community forum. If you are a supporting member of our ministry, may your kind increase. And you can go to our private side of of our forums, and you can ask your question there. And I do want you to do that. Go to the private side. It's a smaller group, and you can ask your question within the private member forum, and we would love to interact with you. Either way, the community forum or the public forum or the private forum, but I want you to talk to us, and maybe there's something else that's on your mind This is what we do. We are a boots-on-the-ground ministry where we deal with all things sanctification, and so we want to help the body of Christ in the little way that we can. And so if you would permit us to do that, well, you can if you ask us, and again, we will interact with you. You can print this off. You can share it. This would be a wonderful conversation piece in a small group of friends. Of course, if you have this person inside your group, you probably it would probably be wise not to have such an overt presentation of this topic within the small group if you have a hypersensitive person in that group who may react angrily to you. Uh, that probably would be unkind, and you would not want to do that. And so let me give you my illustration, and then I'll share a few thoughts about these ideas, and hopefully it will be practically helpful for you. Mabel, as I mentioned, struggles with deeply with insecurity. Her three primary shaping influences made her into a fearful person. Do you know how we become who we are? All of us, we have three primary shaping influences that mold us into the person that we are, the unique individual that we are. One of those shaping influences is Adam. We say it this way, that we are Adamic. We're born in Adam, which means, in the context of what I'm speaking of here, of adverse shaping influences, it means that we're totally depraved. We come into the world broken. We come into the world in a negative, in a hole, in a bad spot, incomplete. Adam shapes us, and because of that, there's there's a 100% chance that we're going to struggle. And then a second primary shaping influence is other people. That could be our siblings, it could be our parents, it could be our close friends, it could be religious institutions, educational institutions. There are many other shaping influences outside of Adam and then the third primary shaping influences or influences are the choices that we make throughout our lives. We make decisions. Moment by moment, every day, we make decisions. And there are repercussions, good or bad, for those decisions. But it's like a trail of breadcrumbs. And after you get six months or six years down the road, those decisions accumulate and they, they shape you. They can shape you into the person that you are becoming. And so Mabel struggles deeply with insecurity. 
I'm not going to spend time in this podcast to, to, to unpack these three primary shaping influences of how she got there. But I will say that Adam has shaped her, other people have shaped her, and she has brought shape to herself. And the end result at this point in her life is that she is debilitated with insecurity. She struggles with fear. To put it in a biblical typology, she struggles with fear. And everyone in her Bible study knows about her fear struggles. And so how do they respond, talking about these two ditches, well, they tiptoe around her. And the reason that they do this is because she has responded in anger in the past when someone jostles her, when someone bumps into her, shakes her canister, so to speak. When they jostle her, she has responded in anger, and they know that. She has a reputation at this point that she's easily offended Last year, the leader of the group, Marge, called on Mabel during group time, asking her a personal question. There's a lot to say about this. Hopefully, these types of groups are sanctification groups to where you can talk about personal questions, but there's always a a ramp-up time to get to that place. It, It would be exceptional. It would be an anomaly if you can start a sanctification group like this where you talk personally about things and you do that right from jump. That doesn't happen because everybody in that group will not be on board. So I'm going to assume that in this group, these people have been envisioned. They know what the group is about. They know what they're going to get They know what to expect, and so Mabel called on, or Marge rather, called on Mabel during group time, and they asked her, or she asked her, Marge asked her a personal question, and it was an appropriate question, and it mortified Mabel. She tightened up as fear gripped her, and a surreal tone came over the group. Maybe you've been in this type of group where The awkward question, though it wasn't intentionally, it wasn't meant to be awkward. And so in this context, Mabel did everything right. She did everything biblical. But perhaps you've been in that situation where everything just went awkward all of a sudden. A surreal tone came over the group. Afterward, when Mabel got home from the that evening, she sent Marge a nasty email letting her know how hurt she was. And that she had not, she had better not do it again. Now, since that time, Mabel has been the de facto leader of the Bible study. Since that time, Marge, whether wittingly or not, has abdicated her role as the leader of the group, and Mabel has become the de facto leader of the Bible study. Marge and the group has fallen into one of those ditches. No one knows that Mabel leads the group except for Marge. Even Mabel does not see how she's leading the group. But Marge knows. Because of Mabel's insecurity and reactive anger, Marge is unwilling to delve into any personal relationship transparent questions with her. By the way, insecurity and anger 
always go together. There's a coupling effect with insecurity and anger. A person who is insecure will respond in anger. If they feel poked or prodded or pushed in a corner, or if they feel embarrassed because of this crippling fear that they have, there is a defensive reactionary response and it's anger. Anger anger sometimes it feels like the person is in charge, in control, and over the top and has a lot of courage. Anger has courage. It just feels like courage. Most of the time, it's not courage. Anger, many times, is the, is the insecurity of another person, of, of, of the angry person that's speaking. I've said it this way in other places, that anger is a manipulative tactic of an insecure person who is trying to regain control of their universe. And Mabel is an insecure person, and she responds in anger as a way of, it's the manipulative tactic of an insecure person. So what she's doing by responding in anger is that it's pushing, everybody's taking a step back. Everybody's saying, whoa, whoa, Mabel is going to respond that way, and so I'm not going to I'm not going to do anything that will incite her, and that gives Mabel control of the dynamics of the group. And, and insecurity and anger seem antithetical to each other, but actually they work together. They're not antithetical at all. And so a person can go from fearful insecurity to reactive anger in a heartbeat because that is the only mechanism that they know to take control of the situation. And so Mabel has become the de facto leader of the group because of her deep insecurity. She's been prodded by Marge, even though Marge did everything appropriately. She responded in anger. And so now Marge is like, well... I ain't going to go there again with Mabel. Thus, Mabel now has control of her universe, never to be challenged, never to be pushed, never to be grown up in Christ. The effect of Mabel's sin has an even more profound impact on the group because it requires Marge to lead the group around Mabel's weaknesses. And so now you have to draw a big circle around Mabel and keep her in that circle and never go inside that circle. And so what you have now are basically two groups. You have the group, the core body, and then you have this other group, which is one person, Mabel, and you have to treat both of them differently because of how Mabel is. Now, part of the reason for Marge's abdication of the group, and you need to hear that, Marge has abdicated. She's given up her role as the leader of the group. But listen to this. One of the reasons that she did abdicate is because she sincerely wants to care for her weaker sister. Do do you hear the conflation of these two ditches? You want to love them and not offend them and you don't want to bull your way through and on the other in the other ditch. And so Marge is going to have to learn how to navigate these two things by by walking down the middle. But it's also true that Marge has backed off from leading the group the right way because she's afraid of Mabel. And this is a very real thing. The irony here is that Marge and Mabel struggle with the same thing, fear, insecurity, 
they, they struggle with it differently. But, but what Mabel has done and all of her insecurity and all of her reactive anger is that she has highlighted a sin pattern in Marge's life. And so Marge can spiritualize her care for Mabel. She can spiritualize it and say, I just want to care for my weaker sister. But you want to be careful as you listen to that. That could be spiritualization where the truth is you're backing off from leading the group the right way because you're struggling with your own crippling fear. You see, Marge never knows how Mabel may respond or take any offense at something. From Marge's perspective, going deep in the group is not worth the mess that it might cause. So she caters to Mabel's weaknesses, and the group never goes beyond superficiality. You could say it this, this way, that the weakest link in the group is controlling the group and is keeping the group from ever growing in Christian maturity. But there is more. After Mabel exploded last year, she now feels the liberty to bring other assessments about how Marge leads to the group. When someone goes off on you, it kind of breaks the bottle, and, and now they can, well, now I feel the liberty to, to do this again. I have, I have offered my critiques, and of course, now that Marge has backed off, Mabel is emboldened to share whatever it is that she wants to share. Unfortunately, none of her critiques, none of Mabel's critiques, is helping anyone. Mabel unwittingly speaks without inhibition because of her deep craving for safety. Code. She wants to control everything, so she's not prodded outside of her comfort zone. Coupled with a fear that anyone would challenge her, especially Marge. She hides her fear by taking the offensive. Her criticisms of Marge serve as a regular reminder to Marge that you had better not say anything out of line to Mabel. And so there is a, a subtle irony here that Mabel is now taking the offensive and manipulating the group because she's already, she's already broke through the barrier by going off on Marge last year. And so now she regularly, periodically brings critique as a way of a reminder that you better not go, you better not cross that line with me. And of course, Marge won't even toe the line. She stays about three feet back. Mabel's critical spirit dampens the entire demeanor of the group. On the days she does not show up, the group takes on a completely different atmosphere and attitude. This difference is evident to all. It's almost like everybody in the room can breathe because Mabel is not there. And sadly, the group is not responding well. They are gossiping and grumbling, and those are the two things that have crept into the group. The members are wrestling through their frustration about the sanctification stagnation of the group. They know that Mabel is the culprit, but no one is willing to address the problem. They have chosen, now this is a bad thing, and unfortunately this happens too often that rather than dealing with the problem directly and head-on, compassionately and with love, rather than doing that, people will go sideways, left or right, and they will begin to talk uncharitably 
about the person that that they should be talking to directly. And so the group has chosen to uncharitably talk about what has become known as the pink elephant in the room, rather than biblically working it out. Falling into the snare of fear is not the practical outworking of the gospel. I'm talking about the, the group here. They have fallen into the snare of, uh, of fear. So not only is Mabel struggling with fear, the original problem, but Marge is struggling with fear as well. And so she's drawn this big circle around Mabel and, and, and won't cross that line. But now the, the whole group, the whole group, like everybody in the room is struggling with fear. Falling into that snare is not the practical outworking of the gospel. God wants us to be redemptive in each other's lives. Controlling fear, whether it's Mabel's, Marge's, or the entire group, will not permit you to do that. At some point, Marge is going to have to decide. She's the leader of the group, and she's going to have to decide if she's going to lead this group. You can't continue to let Mabel be the unstated de facto leader. Marge has to carefully and lovingly take charge. If she does not, there is potential for the whole group to unravel. An escalating, unresolved conflict will ensue. One of the more unusual things about Christ was his ability to lead a complaining, insecure, and sometimes angry group of people. He never abdicated his position of authority in the group. He knew how to keep out of both ditches. He didn't cave to fear a man in one ditch, controlling insecurity to where he didn't say anything. But he didn't leap into the other ditch and just bull his way through because you're going to do it my way or you can take the highway. Sometimes Jesus kept his mouth shut. Because what he had to say was not in the, the best interest of the group. As he said in 16 of 12, John, I still have many things to say to you, but, but you cannot bear them now. And so sometimes he, he just kept his mouth shut. At other times he said tough things, even though he knew his words would hurt or offend his friends. In John eleven fourteen fifteen, 15, he said, then Jesus told them plainly, quote, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. There are three critical elements of his leadership style to understand when navigating this minefield that I have been presenting to you. These three critical elements are wisdom, love, and faith. And this is what it means in this context. Three critical elements of Jesus' leadership style that keeps you out of the ditch of fear and the ditch of, of self-righteous arrogance. Wisdom, one. The wise person uses a biblical filter to think about friends in the group. The use of wisdom means there are no cookie-cutter answers. Now, what I mean by that is, is that people will write into me, they do this all the time, they may not say it this way, but this is what they're saying. Do you have a verse for this or that? This situation that I'm in, do you have a verse? No, I, I don't. There are very few verses 
for the things that we do in our life because God has called us to wisdom, not to parrot the Bible in a such a rote black and white way, but to, to learn how to understand Scripture and to bring biblical application so that we can walk pneumatically, we can walk in the Spirit. And so the wise person uses a biblical filter to think about the friends in their sphere of influence. The use of wisdom does mean that there are no cookie-cutter answers where one verse maps over every situation that's like this. No, you pneumatically live. You walk in the Spirit as you bring applications of God's Word to bear on the situation at hand. You might not have a Bible verse for what you're going through, but God gives the wisdom to know how to apply the Bible biblically. I, I, I realize that I'm, I'm stacking words, I'm using redundancy on purpose, but how to apply the Bible biblically to your relationships. And so one of the key elements in Jesus' leadership style was wisdom. Number two is love. The loving person carefully discerns the Spirit pneumatically living, as I said earlier. So he knows how to care for each individual in unique moments. Thus, you pneumatically love this person. No cookie-cutter love, but unique love in this unique situation, which removes the temptation to cave to the fe- to fear or to judge them self-righteously. Those are those two ditches again. If you don't love them well, Loving them is not caving to fear, and loving them well is not judging them self-righteously in the other ditch. You're not better than them, and you're not afraid of them. You aim to love them. Jesus used wisdom. Jesus used love. And then number three is faith. Here's a synonym, trust. The trusting person moves forward in faith because he knows the way the group should go. Jesus moved with courage and confidence. God gives you the confidence to bring the Bible to bear lovingly. Even if the love stings them at the moment and they react sinfully to your care. You have wisdom to understand the situation biblically. You have love, true love, which will keep you out of both of those ditches. And then you have faith, which is the God-centered confidence to move forward. Jesus did what was best for the group rather than catering to the weak. He was never unkind or unloving to the insecure person. You need to hear that. Never unkind, never unloving to the insecure person, but the weak ones did not determine his agenda. Jesus was prepping to leave our planet, but before he left, he wanted a network of reliable and equipped friends who could push his message globally. Though he was not about offending individuals, that was not his thing. There were times when he had to say hard things, even if it meant that some people would fall away and not follow anymore. And if you cave to insecurity or fear, you will not be Christ to that person because you, 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 you don't want them to either react to you sinfully and, and be so offended that it severs the relationship. If what you say in love severs the relationship, you didn't have much of a relationship anyway. As hard as it is to take a stand, Jesus knew the weak could not ultimately control his mission. He would not be able to serve everybody well if he scripted his life and plans according to how the weak wanted him to be. 
This problem happens in many of our relationships. For example, your child becomes sick and pleads with you not to proceed with your plans for making him better. Maybe it's as simple as your child not liking medicine. Perhaps it is a fear of a doctor or a needle poke in the arm. It could be a more challenging situation like the fear of surgery. But who's going to control the moment here, you or the child? As a parent, you have no choice. Because of the love you have for God and for your child, it is an act of obedience. There are times when the best interest of the person means pain and suffering. If you have a weak view of love, you will not take a stand for Christ. If you have a harsh view of love, you will hurt others when you stand for Christ. Remember the gospel. It pleased the father to bruise his son because of the greater good. God so loved the world that he did difficult and painful things to his chosen beloved. You can't love well if you're not free to respond to God in obedience because your fear of the other person controls you. These decisions are hard to make, and you have to make them carefully and prayerfully and with wise counsel. A Bible study or a small group leader needs to get the counsel of an elder of oversight or maybe another pastor. Someone up the chain needs to speak into this situation. If you have a situation like this and you don't have such a person that you can talk to, you're welcome to reach out to us. We're not the best answer, but it can be an excellent safety valve if you just need somebody to talk to. I have much more in this podcast, and I have a significant call to action here. I have five things that I want you to consider. Due to time, I will not be able to give them to you here now, but if you want to read them, I appeal to you. To read these call to actions, read the article, How to Love a Difficult Person Without Them Controlling You. Catch these call to actions. Ask God to help you if you need to change. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.